0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Hey, we have the privilege and honor this morning of, of hearing from Gary Velasquez. Yeah. Gary, Gary, why don't you come up here? I want to say a couple words. This is a teaching moment because the heart of this church is always the unity of the church, right? And Gary and his, his wife, they pastor Divergent City Church. Uh, yeah, they've been doing the work on the south side of Peoria, a, a place that's forgotten, a place that I've driven by, a place where they're being faithful and obedient every single week. And I just want to publicly thank you for that and bless you for that. And I'll tell you something. This is the moment that's teachable. Um, This is communion right now. The word communion is community and unity combined together. And the heart of God is unity, churches joining together. See, there's no competition. There should be no competition in the church space, right? We should be, I want to challenge you this week. You drive by a church this week and you raise your hand. Let's keep one on the wheel. You raise your hand, you bless that church in Jesus' name. Because we're all on the same team. And whenever there's competition, you're going to see the devil. Whenever there's disunity, whenever there's division, you're going to see the devil. So one thing that this church will always strive to do is to bring unity between churches. Amen? All right, so I want you to stretch out your hands and let's bless our brother this morning in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for this man's heart, for his team that's around him, for his wife. And the the vision that you've given them for a side of our city that's been forgotten, the least of these, that's the very heart of God, the very heart of God. And so, God, I know that they have not technically launched, but I, I, I feel this in the spirit today to tell this brother that he has launched. He is being faithful and obedient every single week, and God, you are smiling down on that. And just like Joseph's faithfulness and obedience when he was interruptible, you are smiling on this man and his team, and God, you are bringing a seed that's being sown in the, down in that south side. You are being, bringing fruit. You can't see it yet because it's in the ground, but it's coming. It's on the way. Fruit is on the way, and that fruit will multiply, and this city will become great again, not, not in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God. And the things that will come out of the south side because of the Virgin City Church are going to be great. They're going to multiply all around the world. And so, God, I thank you so much for unity, You said in Psalm 133, you said unity was sweet and blessed, and it's like the oil that runs down Aaron's beard all the way down to his robes. That is the spirit of God running down the entire church, your church. It's not ours to hold. It's yours. We are the church. And so, God, we unite together. We stand together on this stage this morning, and we say thank you. Thank you that you are working in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you. You may take a seat. I can't promise it'll be the last time you stand, but I will let you sit down for right now. Wasn't that some great worship? Thankful two people enjoyed it. Phil, what do you think? Should we try that again? Wasn't that some great worship? There we go, everybody's awake now. It is Cinco de Mayo. It is uh, traditionally known. <laughs> oh, just wait. Um, it is traditionally known as a Mexican holiday, and while I am not Mexican, I am Hispanic. Um, for the curious ones, I'm Puerto Rican. It's different. Um, but I gave some members of the teaching team a hard time when I found out that I was scheduled to speak on Cinco de Mayo. They scheduled the Hispanic to share. On Cinco de Mayo. So as a punishment to them, and you guys are going to bear with me, I intend to share a piece of my message in Spanish this morning. All you that screen probably don't even speak Spanish. That's great. All right, so bear with me. You can follow along on the screen. It'll be there in English. Gracias. Anybody know what that means? All right. Let's see if you can keep up. Gracias por tenerme aquí hoy. Estoy muy emocionado de continuar nuestra series llamada Interruptible. Chris hizo un gran trabajo la semana pasada. Gracias, Chris. Hoy seguimos con la segunda semana. And that's what I have the privilege of sharing today. That's about the extent of my Spanish. Don't judge me. You guys don't speak Spanish. So that's about it. But I wanted to tease and share some things in Spanish, but let's get going. I promised uh, Heather I would stay under 90 minutes, so I have to keep to that promise. But last week, Chris kicked off our series titled Interruptible. He had a great message titled Take Off Your Coats. He took Joseph from the Old Testament and then shared about Jesus' Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And he shared some great nuggets about how our heart needs to be interruptible and how we all have coats that we need to rid ourselves of. And a key takeaway from last week was that the interruption reveals our inheritance. That was good. The interruption reveals our inheritance. Thank you, Chris, for kicking us off. But today I have the honor of continuing that series, week two of the Interruptible series. And before I do, I want to share a quick joke with you guys. The Spanish was not the joke. So I need your participation for this one. Knock, knock. Glad that side was awake. This side is still sleeping. So this side be quiet. Knock, knock. All right, there we go. Now let's do it all together. Knock, knock. Interrupting cow. Moo. Great. That joke served its purpose because while the joke may be silly, Some might find it funny. You can thank my two-year-old for that one. We got that from the movie Home, and he watches that pretty religiously at this point. Um, But the joke is funny. It's silly. It's annoying. It may be whatever you want to call it, but the same can be said for interruptions. Interruptions may be annoying. Interruptions may be silly at times. Interruptions may deflect attention from what truly matters at times. And quite frankly, interruptions interrupt. Personally, for the last five years of my life, I can say my life has been interruption-filled. And I'll give you guys just a brief synopsis. I only have an hour, Heather said, so I can't share too many details. But in the last five years, I've had quite a few interruptions. I've lost a job. I went through a stretch of six months unemployed. My wife and I, within a 15-month period, lost two children prematurely. Um, We moved. A 1,000 miles away from everything that we knew as normal. We left a church in New York City that we had been in for close to 10 years. We moved here to the Midwest. We started a brand-new church. We have two kids 15 months apart now. We left our home church to obey the call of God to plant a church. We found a church home here at 214. And as Chris mentioned later this year, we'll, we'll be planting a church on the south side of Peoria. And that's just five years. Interruptions are almost a daily occurrence in my life personally, and I know the same can be said for some of you here this morning, but the real question that needs to be asked is that how are we responding to these interruptions? How are you and I responding to the interruptions that life throws at us, that God throws in our path? How are you and I responding? Is your life interruptible? That's a di- it's a difference than getting interrupted our lives are going to get interrupted at times, but is your life interruptible? I titled my message today, There's More to It. If you're taking notes, write that down. There's more to it. And if you're not taking notes, shame on you. Um, later this year, actually, November of this year, I'll be turning 30. Um, one celebrated, thank you. Um. Some people say I look older, and if you're one of those people, keep your comments to yourself. We're not friends anyway. Um, But later this year, I'll be 30, and I can honestly say that church has been all I've ever known. Um, My dad was saved at a church, at a mega church in New York City as a kid, and we attended there uh, pretty regularly with him. Um, When he passed away, I was about 14, and at, at that time, I started attending a church plant in new york city and i was there ever since we moved out but church and ministry have kind of been normal for me it's been all i've ever been exposed to and when we moved here we my wife and i served faithfully at a church plant um, before obeying god as i mentioned and planting divergent city church but early on i was always taught that ministry was a pretty straight road following christ is a pretty straight road work on you develop you straight road salvation your life falls into place straight road. But as I've matured in my faith, I realize that there's more to it. There's more to it than just calling myself a Christian. There's more to it than just me following this straight road. There's more to it than, say, I'm a pastor of a church. I serve in ministry. There's more to it. And for the next few moments, we're going to dig into what that more is. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading from verses 25-25 through 37. And that's Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. It's a pretty it's a pretty familiar story and I want to share it under the context of living a life that's interruptible. So let's go ahead and read that. On one occasion, an expert in the re- an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He he replied, How do you read it? The expert answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then said, You have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went with him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil, pouring on oil and wine. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? Jesus asked. The expert in the law said the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray before we jump in. God, we're just so thankful for your word. We're thankful for your word that is more than just a story, that is more than just mere words, but that has impact in our lives. And I pray as we continue on with the rest of this message, God, that I just be a mouthpiece for what you want to share with your people here. I pray that ears are open, that hearts are open that lives may be changed by your interruptions here this morning. God, just have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. There's more to it. There's more to it. Are you interruptible and how are you responding? While we all may have read this story countless times, I want to highlight a few things for us this morning. And the first one is that regardless of how much we may know, an interruption by Jesus changes everything. And that's the first point. If you want to write that down, an interruption by Jesus changes everything. You see, the the person that Jesus shared this story with was an expert in religious law. Essentially, he knew his stuff. He'd been around the block. He knew the ins and outs of religion. And like many of us sitting here today, we've been around church. We know scripture. We know how to recite verses. We may think we are experts in religion. And likewise, sometimes like the expert, we ask smart questions. Our expertise at times may come off as cocky, knowing it all and better than someone. But encountering Jesus and being interrupted by Jesus rocked this man's world. While he interrupted Jesus, Scripture said he stood up to test Jesus. Right there on uh, verse number 25, it says, On one occasion the expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So while he interrupted Jesus... Ultimately, it was Jesus who interrupted everything he thought he knew. An expert in the law was turned into a student by the teacher. A know-it-all was essentially schooled. An interruption by Jesus changed everything. With every interruption, there's a divine appointment. If we change our perspective, interruptions can turn obstacles into opportunities. Interruptions turn trials into triumphs. Interruptions turn problems into potential And interruptions turn the unexpected into the unprecedented. I'm glad two people were here with me this morning, but I'm going to keep preaching to those two people then. And I'm going to share that again. Interruptions turn obstacles into opportunities. Interruptions turn trials into triumphs. Interruptions turn problems into potential. And interruptions turn the unexpected into the unprecedented. But it's all dependent on how our responses. It all depends on how we respond to life's interruptions, and are you living a life that's interruptible? Let's read verses 30 through 32 one more time. Scripture says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest.'" happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man passed on the and passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. And I'll stop there for the time being. Jesus begins to tell this story of a man that was traveling down this road. And I want you to picture this. We may have heard this story, and if you've been around any a any, uh, church for any length of time, this story is pretty kind of familiar. We hear it constantly, but I want you to picture this imagery for a second. We read of a man that was attacked by robbers. He's stripped, so in essence, this man is nude. He's beat, and he's left for dead. We then read of a priest who sees this man and passes to the other side. Upon reading that, we might have some kind thoughts for this priest. But we have to also realize that it might have made sense for him. This guy was perceived to be dead. And the priest, if he would have touched the, touched the dead, he would have become unclean. And if he was unclean, could not perform his duties. So while traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, this priest likely had a duty to go to. So if he would have touched this uh, per, uh, perceived dead person, he would have not been able to perform said duties. So he crossed to the other side. The Pharisees also believed if if your shadow was cast upon the unclean, that you would become unclean. So it might have made total sense for this priest to cross to the other side because God forbid my shadow. I don't even know where my shadow is. (laughs) There it goes. Bear (laughs) with me. Surprise. Um, God forbid that my shadow would have touched a dead person and I would have been unclean myself. So it might have made sense for this priest All, quote-unquote, valid reasons to cross the other side. We then read of a Levite who comes along on the road as well. And some translations of Scripture say a temple assistant sees him, passes along as well. And Levites can relate to the law. They know Scripture. Another representative of the, quote-unquote, church passes along. But what I want us to get to the point here is that interruptions are incomplete without connections. You and I are constantly interrupted. We're constantly thrown off track. We're constantly sidetracked by something else. But if we're not making a connection, it's empty. If we're not allowing ourselves to use this interruption by God to make a connection, then what truly matters? And the priest and the Levite failed to make this connection. They could not be interrupted. But now, before we pass judgment, we tend to be some judgmental folks. Don't raise your hand or don't look at your neighbor. You might get in trouble. But before we pass judgment, let's share some context here. So this road would have been traveled on quite often. Like I said, there were duties in the temple, so priests and Levites were, were frequent travelers of this road. Maybe they were on a time crunch. I knew I had to preach here this morning, and I stopped at Starbucks, and there was a line, and I was tempted not to get my coffee But heaven forbid I would have not had coffee. You guys would have not liked me this morning. But maybe the priest and the Levite were on a time crunch. They had service responsibilities, so maybe they couldn't stop. Who has time for interruptions when you're in a rush? The road was also dangerous. These men that passed could have been fearful for their own lives. Who wants to be seen with a bruised and battered man on the side of the road? Or maybe you're one of those who say maybe it was the man's fault. Maybe he got himself into this own trouble. Maybe he got into this situation by his own doing, so why would I stop to help him? The list of excuses is endless if we really think about it, but to be interruptible is to make a connection. To be interruptible is to make a connection. To be interruptible is not merely just to say, okay, yeah, my life was thrown off track. I was interrupted, but to be interruptible is to make a connection. I may have shared this before, but my wife and I are originally from New York City. Um, Homelessness is an epidemic that's being tackled by so many, but yet still very much exists in the New York City area. Similarly here in Peoria as well. And these are a few photos. I didn't take these photos, but these are a few photos of homelessness in New York City. Um, I can thank the photographer Google for these. Um, But these are some photos, and looking at the photos, you can see why one may have fear in approaching. You can see why one may be hesitant. That lady right there, she looks to be dead set on where she's going, kind of tunnel vision to where she's going. You can see why people may not stop. It might be intimidating. We might be busy. Our schedule may not allow it. We might not know what these people are capable of if we were to stop and be interrupted. And then here's a shot that a young person of mine took um, in New York City. This is me talking to, um, a homeless guy, and some context here is my wife was in worship rehearsal, and I was going to go do some outreach and hand out some cards to some individuals and invite them out to church. One of those individuals was not going to be this guy. If I'm being completely transparent, I was more, I was more interested in giving out cards to people who I knew would come to church, and my flesh thought that this guy probably would never, Come to church, so he wasn't really a part of my plans in going to do outreach, but there was something about this guy who was sleeping right across the street from our church, literally directly across the street, that made me stop. I had plans, but yet I couldn't ignore this guy. He was too embarrassed to tell me his name um, if you can If you can see from the photo, there's streams of urine that are running from his body. He was disheveled, he was disoriented, but I brought him a sandwich and some chips. We ate lunch together. or we, I don't know what time. That was in the evening, so we ate together. I shared the gospel with him, and I never did see him again. And I share that because I wish I did that more often. I wish I allowed myself to be interrupted more often, but I didn't, and sometimes I still don't. But interruptions have to involve a connection. But on the same flip side, interruptions have to cost us something. So right there in that photo, what it cost me was, one, my time. It cost me time to be interrupted by this gentleman. It cost me some resources financially to be interrupted by this gentleman. I didn't have to go buy him a sandwich and a drink, but we did that together. It cost me my plans to be, in, it cost my plans to be interrupted to sit with him. Interruptions have to cost us something. Let's look back at the story. Verse 33 through 35 it says but a Samaritan as he traveled came to where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey bought, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he he took out 2 denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him he said and when I return I will reimburse you for any expenses. The Samaritan in this story right here, we see he sacrificed his time to stop. Who knows what plans he had. He used the resources that he had on him. He used the bandage, the wine. He let him use his own ride and put him on his donkey. And then he gave him two denarii, and a denarii was equivalent to a day's wage. Interruptions have to cost us something. Now, again, we hear these stories, and they sound like great Biblical stories that might never seem to be realistic, but think about this for a second. If I can, for the next 15 seconds, think about what you make in a day. You personally, that may vary in this room, but think about financially what you bring in a day. Times that by two. And go give it to a complete stranger. It got awfully quiet in here. We're talking about money and giving it away. After you give that stranger two days' worth of your pay, give him a ride in your own vehicle. Have him sit in the front seat, shotgun. Go take him to a local hotel and make sure to tell the front desk that you'll cover any incidentals he racks up. Interruptions have to cost us something. You see, that that, that might sound unheard of for us to do something like that. It might sound unheard of for us to give complete stranger money that we've We've earned. I've worked hard for this money. Who's this stranger I'm supposed to give it to? It might seem foreign to just tell the front desk, rack up any incidentals. Man, you know what that's like. But that's exactly what the Good Samaritan did because interruptions have to cost us something. And if God is interrupting your life, it has to cost you something. The interruption has to cost you something. You have to give up something. To be interruptible is not about how much you can manage, but how much you can give up. You see, years in church, one of the misconceptions we have is that, you know, God gives his strongest battles to his strongest warriors, and we can just keep carrying and carrying and carrying and carrying. But what God is really asking for us is to release some of these things, to give up some of these things. God's not asking you to carry every single burden, but to release some of these things to be interruptible is really about how much you can't give up. God is calling us to give something up, to rid ourselves of what we know, to pick up and tend to the very things that he's placed in front of us. To live a life that's interruptible has to cost us something. There has to be a sacrifice. and. This isn't part of my message, but I was thinking about even Abraham in the Old Testament. Can you imagine that sacrifice of giving up your own son and the willingness to do that? But an interruption by God requires us to give something up. We have to have that heart, that spirit to give something up. And the reality is that an interruption can also cost us our reputation. The Samaritan was an outcast, despised by Jews, The one least likely to show compassion. Go figure. If they didn't keep the law, Jews would have had nothing to do with the Samaritan. But interruptions go past religion to build relationships. Now, I'm glad this side was with me. It's something about this side that you guys are still sleeping, so maybe I might just share from right here. But interruptions go past religion. And build relationships. Now, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? For some of us, and I, sh- and I share personally, I've been around church for, for quite some time. I could know the game, so to speak. And for some of us, we know scripture. We can recite stories. We quote verses. We learned hymns and chants and all these songs because we've been around church for quite some time. And that's great. But there's people laying on the side of the road that we're missing. There's situations laying on the side of the road that we are completely missing out on. Religion concerns ourselves with rules and regulations and relationships point people to Jesus. Religion concerns us with rules and regulations while relationships point people to Jesus. I can tell you a rule on how to live, but how about I show you in relationship? I can tell you what you should and should not do in this life, but how about if I lived it for you? Interruptions go past relationship and build, interruptions go past religion rather, but build relationships. God is calling us out of this mindset of religion and into the business of building relationships with people that will lead to him. The Samaritan didn't ask what conditions put the bruised and battered man in the position that he was. He didn't care to know if he would overextend his his stay at the end. Too often we might preoccupy our minds with those things. We see a homeless man, you know, do I give him a dollar? What happens if he buys booze? What happens if he buys something else? Or how did he get there? That's not the question that God is asking us. The question is, are we interruptible? The Samaritan didn't occupy himself with wondering how the man got there. The stories could have been endless. The assumptions could have been endless. But nonetheless, he in, he interrupted his schedule to get him to a place where he knew God was calling him to be, him personally and the man. There's more to it. There is more to it. Interruptions build relationships. One of the other things I want to share about interruptions is that perspective and purpose trump our comfort and our convenience. You guys might have been sleeping for that one, but perspective and purpose trump our comfort and our convenience the expert in religious law knew his word but he was told to go and do like go and do otherwise take that story be a good Samaritan find out what it is that you're walking past and live like the good Samaritan because it only happens when we share the perspective of Christ and no I'm not saying that we're going to see things like Christ but if we see Christ in everything that changes our perspective See, now I had the whole front here. Now the whole back is sleeping. Don't make me make you guys get up and move forward because I'll do it. They gave me the mic. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) We We can't see things as Jesus sees them. We'll have no need for Jesus if we did. But what we can do is see Jesus in everything. And if we do that, then we find our purpose. Then our perspective is shifted because now I don't look at you as just a person, but I look at you and I see Jesus I don't look at you and see a bruised and battered man who's naked and looks like he's dead, but I see Jesus on the side of the road. I need somebody here with me because I'm about to take off my jacket soon if you guys don't start shouting with me. I think Rochelle said it last week, right? People were quiet. We need some answering back here. Right? Come on now. We need to shift our perspective and we need to start seeing Jesus in the everyday. When we do that, our perspective is shifted. We find Our purpose, we realize that that we are all created in the image of God. Heaven forbid that sounds like a foreign topic, but imagine the person who least looks like you is created in the image of God. Imagine that person who believes differently than you is created in the image of God. Imagine the person who you despise most at work is created in the image of God. Imagine the situation where you care nothing about God being in that situation. Imagine the things that you've ignored for years and God being in those situations. When we shift our perspective and see Christ in everything, it allows us to also see our purpose. And purpose coupled with perspective is far greater than our comfort and convenience. Purpose removes our blindfold to see Jesus in the interruptions. And seeing Jesus in the interruptions is really all that matters. Are you Interruptible, and how are you responding to God's interruption in your life? Look at your neighbor and say, Are you interruptible? There was about three people that talked, so look to the neighbor you ignored and asked, Are you interruptible? I titled this message, There's More to It, because when I think of living a life that's interruptible. It's the very thing I think about. There's more to it. Following Christ is going to be one of the greatest adventures there ever is. Thank you. At least someone believes that. (laughs) Praise God. Following Christ is one of the greatest adventures there is. But being a Christian alone is not enough. Attending Sunday service, youth group, men's group, Bible study, it's not enough There's going to be times where we need to step to the side. There's going to be times where we need to look out and help someone and rid ourselves of something. Coats, like Chris shared last week, to redirect our perspective, to chase after our purpose and to pursue our dreams. But is your life interruptible? And I'm speaking to someone here today, and for you it might not be a bruised and battered guy on the side of the road. It could be your dreams that are laying at the wayside. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances that you've ignored and you've walked past. It could be a career change. It could be a new church building. What God is asking is that we not just walk by it. What God is asking of us is are we interruptible? He's asking that we be interrupted, that we stop and that we care to it and that we give up what we know. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but there's Quite a few people who might think they know it all. And are we willing to give that up for the sake of being interruption, interrupted? Imagine this expert in religious law who thought he knew it all, only to have this interaction with Jesus. He stood up to test Jesus, is what scripture says, only to have his world rocked by Jesus. If we look back at this expert, the question posed to Jesus was, how do I inherit eternal life? And I'm going to have some creative license here. But what Jesus said was, the answer is found in how well you're interrupted. How do I inherit eternal life? How well do you respond to God interrupting you? How well do you respond to what other people may ignore? You want to inherit eternal life? Go and do likewise. Go and don't, don't just know about me, be about me. Don't just know what my word says. Live it. Love like me. Look like me. Treat people like I would. Sunday service is great, and I love to have the ability to preach or. This is awesome. But it really starts the second we walk out of those doors. So how do I go and inherit eternal life? Step foot out those doors and go and do otherwise. Go And do otherwise because there's more to it. There's more to Church 214 than this. There's more to Church 214 than a building on Oak Street. We have some phenomenal worshipers, but there's more to it. This wasn't part of my message, but Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, in the message paraphrase say, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise When we're hemmed in with troubles, and for the sake of this message, I'm going to substitute the word troubles with interruptions. So let's read it again. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise when we're hemmed in with interruptions. Because we know how interruptions can develop passionate patience in us. And how that patience in turn forges the the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert to whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling short-changed. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. See, now you missed that. It starts off with interruptions, but it ends with containers not being enough to hold what God is going to do. Imagine a church that understood that. Imagine a church that can say quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Is your life interruptible? And what that looks like is even making Sunday a place where you get interrupted. Make Sunday a place where you get wrecked. Make Sunday a place where you don't come to just receive and to be a consumer, but that you're an active participant in it. Is your life interruptible? How are you responding to God's interruption? Stand with me for a second as I close out this message. I told you it wasn't the last time. You'll stand. I'm reminded when I think about church and I think about our Sunday services, I'm reminded of a verse in Ezekiel. It's chapter 46, verse 9, and it says, Whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out the south gate. Whoever answers by the south gate is to go out the north. No one's to return to the gate by which he entered. And for me, that verse speaks about being wrecked and being interrupted on a Sunday morning. It's easy to come in this place to sing a few songs, to listen to someone preach, and to walk out and, and work on our lunch plans. And trust me, if there's anyone who works on lunch plans, it's me. But don't judge me. Um but there's something about leaving this place differently. There's something about coming in here one way and having the ability to to walk out a completely different way. But that only happens when you allow your life to be interruptible. The story of the Good Samaritan is great, and it talks about a guy on the side of the road, but like I said, what is it that you're walking past? And as we begin to close, I want you to think about that. What is it that you're walking past? It's not a bruised and battered guy. It may be. You may know a bruised and bradded guy that you walk past every day. But what else is it? Is it your marriage that you've ignored? Is it the problems? Is it church that you're walking past and you're just here physically? Is it signing up to serve and be a part of the great things that God's doing in this city? What is it that you're walking past? What is it that you've not allowed God to just interrupt you right now? Think about that for a few seconds. and we can just close our eyes and bow our heads. Just think about, think about your life. You know your life. God knows your life. What is it in this moment that you've just refused to let God interrupt? What is it in this moment that you said, this is mine and this isn't God's? Think about that. Think about the very thing that you know you might be walking past. I ask that today be a different day. And I pray that today be a different day. And I know there's someone here who's just waiting to give that thing up. And this might have been the message that you needed to just say, God, I give it up. I allow you to interrupt my life. I allow you to take a hold of my life, God. To interrupt me, to mess up my own plans. To meet with you. So let's pray. God, you're ever faithful, God, and you're you're all-knowing, God. God, you see each and every heart each and every situation, each and every life that's represented here. God, and you see how at times we can focus on our own plans, God. At times we can we not want to be interrupted because we have our plans, God. But I just pray that today be the day we give those up. I pray that today be the day that we become interruptible, God. I pray for the group of people that occupy these seats, God that each and every one of them walk out of here differently. Whatever they came in with, God, I don't know, but you know, they might have come in here with the burden of something, whether it's a thought, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a situation that just needs an intervention of God. I just pray right now that we lay it all down. I pray for those very things, God. God, and I just pray that you give us an interruptible spirit. I pray that we're able to see you in every single interruption, knowing that your plans are better than ours, God. God, I pray for the containerfuls that will come from people who are willing to be interrupted and to be used by God in ways that go far beyond their own plans. God, I ask that you just move. I pray that you just move in our lives. Allow us to see you, to encounter you, to be forever changed by an interruption of yours. God, there's so much more to it. And I pray that we embrace that, that we see that, God. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen.